Okay. Well, again, I want to say thank you to Rob and your church leaders for inviting me up here. It's always risky. It's always risky inviting a guest speaker because you never quite know what they're going to say. But the one thing you always want to see a guest speaker do at the start of a message is to put his watch down so he knows where the time's, what the time's going to be. But look, uh, again, thank you for having us up here. It was, it was a wonderful drive. Um, as a child, I used to drive up here quite regularly because we had friends that lived in Niagara Park. And uh, we used to come up here, spend time with them, used to uh, go fishing down Brisbane waters. You know, you'd go yab- with a yabby pump, with oyster leases. Uh, never caught anything, but it was still an enjoyable time. And um, it's really good to be with you all here. Now, this morning, as I've already mentioned, what I'd like us to do is think for for a few moments on the concept, the biblical concept of membership. I just want to get a sense of uh, the interest of this room. How many people here have themselves been part of uh, a a sports team, soccer, netball, uh, rugby league, something like that? Maybe not now, but maybe in previous lives. Anyone here played sport? For a team, sure. Anyone here a member of Gosford RSL? I mean, to get the, the discount for the bistro or, or, or the golf club. Um, you know, if I had my wallet up here, I could flick through the cards and show you my health card fund, my Qantas frequent flyer card, the flybys or the loyalty discounts you can get with shopping at the various grocery stores. And of course, all of us experience membership because we're all part of families. We're all members of families. You see, membership, just in general life, is about belonging, being part of something. And being a member of something comes with privileges, comes with benefits, but it also comes with responsibilities. That's what membership is in life. Now, for example, I don't know what the Wyoming under 13's netball team looks like, but can anyone play for that team? No. No, 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 not everyone, no. What if you're under 13 and you want to play netball, can you play for that team? Not yes and no, but yes and no, because technically you can, you're eligible to play for that team, but if it's anything like soccer, when my boys played soccer, Whatever team it was, you had to register. You had to sign up for that. You just couldn't turn up on the day and play. Because can you imagine uh, Lionel Messi turning up for your soccer game saying, oh, he's part of my under-16 team. Well, it's just not right. You see, only members of the team can play. Only members of the team, if they play well, hold up the trophy. Sure, mum and dad, aunts and uncles, grandparents stand on the sideline. We cheer. We, you know, hopefully we don't boo the ref. Uh, we can be motivated. We can be passionate. But we're not part of the team. The team plays, but the team also has to turn up for training. Same with our families. Members of a family all have various responsibilities around the home. But only members of the family have a right to eat at the table. A right. They're not invited to eat at the table. They have a right to be at the table. 
Members of the family have a right to have access to a roof over their heads in the evening. You may have many guests coming to your home. You may even have guests coming to your home regularly, weekly. You know, if they come too frequently, Proverbs has something to say about that. But guests come and guests go. It's not their home. It's not their family. And the general thing that we have to understand is the stronger the membership commitments, the greater the benefits and blessings there are to any organisation. You think, like I said, think about sports, think about family. The greater the membership commitments, the greater the benefits and blessings. So let me just now turn to church membership. And we'll come to the passage in a moment. There are, of course, lots of ideas, many helpful ideas, but sometimes confusing ideas of what membership is like. You see, some people believe that membership is unnecessary. It's an unhelpful tradition, stuffy formality, it's legalistic, it's rigid. Others think, oh, membership's a good idea. I think I, think I, I see that in the Bible. But their view is somewhat casual. And that view of membership is as long as you turn up, you're a member. But that's not how it happens in any other area of life. If you turn up to somewhere, does that make you a member? No, it doesn't. In no other area of life, simply turning up does not mean you are a member of anything. And so I don't quite understand why we think that's the way we should think of church. At the end of the day, what I think about it, what you think about it, what anyone thinks about it doesn't really matter. Because whose church is this? It's God's church. It's not Rob's church. Not my church. It's, it's God's church. So what God has to say about his church, ultimately that matters. And we have to align ourselves to how God thinks about his church, what he's revealed about his church, and how he wants his church to reach the world with his gospel. So this morning I'm going to look at the glorious benefits of local church membership. The passage has been read for us in 1 Corinthians 12. Just quick overview of 1 Corinthians. We preached on this uh, book, uh, I think it was last year or the year before. And my title for the series was Messy Church. Because if you know anything about Corinth, it is an example of what Messy churches alike. They were divided. They were infighting. There were things that were not even done amongst the pagans or the Gentiles. And to address that, when Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he says they need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. And in the midst of that, he says they need to hear what it is to be a church, a united church body. And so this morning we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 because that is what he's dealing with. Here they're they're arguing about spiritual gifts. He's going to speak to them about love in 1 Corinthians 13. But in 1 Corinthians 12, one of the truths they had forgotten is what is it to be a church member? So this morning we're going to look at four things. And I'm going to put them in by way of question. Firstly, what is a church member? Secondly, who should become a church member? Thirdly, what if I don't feel like being a church member? The fourth question is, why is formal church membership important? And then I'm going to finish with two little anecdotes, a negative example and a positive example. So that's what we're going to do this morning. 
Let me just pray and ask for God's help for us. Father, we thank you for your word. It is so precious, sweet, it's pure, it's true. And even though, Lord, this was written so many thousand years ago, because of your wisdom and your grace, it is relevant even for us today. Lord, when we read the scriptures, our heart leaps. It leaps for joy because we read of our Saviour. We also lament because we know sometimes we fall short. But Father, we thank you that you deal with us in grace, in mercy and in love. And even as we look at 1 Corinthians 12 together, we ask for the help of your spirit. Holy Spirit, please help us this day understand your word that we might live lives pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so firstly, what is church membership? And let's read verse 12, chapter 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. What is church membership? Simply put, church membership is being part of a local body of believers. A local body of believers. A local geographic assembly called out ones of believers. It's, and it is a reflection of us being part of Christ's body. If you're into taking notes or cross-references, you could turn. Don't have time now, but you could note down Romans 10, 3 to 5, which again affirms to us we are part of Christ's body. But in that passage, it says we're also members of one another. If we're united to Christ and we're all united to Christ, we're all part of that same body. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the life-giving head. And from him, we all enjoy eternal life if we've exercised faith and repentance. In Ephesians 5.30, it reminds us of loving the body. And so as I look around, myself and yourselves, we all have different parts, hands, eyes, feet. And these various body parts are joined and knit together. So being a church member is being part of a body. Now, one of the misunderstandings of church membership is sometimes you throw that word in local. Why, why is that important? Aren't we all part of the universal church, the large church, the body of believers that has Christians in Africa, in South America, in, in every corner of the world. Aren't we all part of that local body? And yes, we are. Yes, we are. Christ has one bride and we are indeed a member of that, that body that spans time and space. So King David is our brother. Moses is our brother. Ruth is our sister. These are brothers and sisters in Christ and we are members of that body. But the thing is, when Paul and the Bible records letters to different churches, and when you see the context of these issues, he's never writing to a universal church. He's always saying, here, church in Corinth, I want you to deal with your membership. Church in Ephesus, church in Rome. And actually, if you look at, you know, if you've got a smartphone, if you've got a computer, 
You just Google the word church and how many times it's referenced in the Bible and you ask yourself, is it referring to a global, universal church or a local church? I think you'll be fascinated to see that I think 95% of them are referencing a local body. Because here's the thing. The local church is where the rubber hits the road. If this guy goes rogue, you guys have to deal with him. I might call him and I might rant at him. I might say, pull your head in, Rob. But you guys have to deal with it. At the end of the day, as much as I can pray for you, as much as I can counsel you, it's not my responsibility. And likewise, if I go rogue, you can likewise pray for us. But what responsibility do you have to hold me accountable? No, the rubber hits the road at a local level. And that's what we see in all the letters in the New Testament. It has to be a local membership. Take Jesus' words. Again, you can refer to this at a later time. Matthew 18. So it's a famous passage and it's basically if one of your brothers or sisters in here I don't know, helps you build your barbecue and does a really bad job. He sins against you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, it says, Jesus says, you take it up with them. Hopefully he repents, buys you a new barbecue. If that doesn't work, you get a couple of other brothers and sisters. And if not, if, if it's still unresolved, whatever the issue is, let's take it to a more serious issue. Who deals with it? Jesus says... Call the church. Now remember, they don't have amplification back then. And I don't know, I don't care how high that mountain is and how big your voice is. There is no way you're going to call the universal church to come together to sort out your barbecue problems. No, you have to deal with it at the local level. When you have issues in the life of the church, it's dealt with by a discrete body of believers. Now, the other thing I want to emphasise is it is a formal binding membership because our physical bodies, the the example that he's given to us is formally bound to one another. There's bones, there's blood vessels, there's muscles that are organically joined together. But the most uh, most common other membership that we're part of is is, is families. Families. We're all families. Whether your parents are still around or not, we all have parents. You may have siblings, you may have children. And that is not a matter of personal preference. It's not a matter of personal... Well, sometimes you'd want it to be personal preference. But even if you don't want them to be part of your family, they're still part of your family. And there's only certain ways to be part of a family. You know, be born into a family, you can marry into a family. But again, they're not casual things. Even the government, even the banks, they, they, wills, estates. There's formal processes to know who is a member of each family. It's never a casual thing. As I've said, um, my kids are fairly social. Um, two of the boys are here. The third one's out doing short-term little mission uh, trip at the moment. And they have friends around often. 
And they get on the PlayStation, they make a mess, they eat chips, drink lots of Coke, fizzy drinks. Um, if that's not what your kids do, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's what we do. And, and they love coming to the house. They love eating. We buy pizzas. We, we have a good time with them. But eventually they have to go home. And I have. As much as I want to feed them, as, one, as much as I want to look after them, can I just say, oh, now you're part of my family? That's creepy. <laughs> and so it is with church. It's so it is with church. You just can't have people come in and say, oh, now you're part of the family. There has to be a formality. There has to be a process. It doesn't have to be a high process, but there has to be. Because in every other area of life, that's how it's done. And it's supported by scripture. Now, just one note here. When I say formality, depending on your background, you might say word association, formality means dry, rigid, bureaucratic. It doesn't feel right. The formality that I'm speaking of is spoken of in verse 13. Who brings that formality into the life of a church? It's a Holy Spirit formality. For in one spirit, we were all baptised into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. This is a spirit-led, spirit-blessed formality. When the Holy Spirit unites our hearts to Christ, united to one another. And yeah, there might be paperwork, there might be things there, but as it expresses itself, it must be done by the leading of the Holy Spirit. So that's first question. What is church membership? Second question. Who should become a member of the church, of a local church? Well, we've already read verse 13. Who can be a member of this church or any other local church according to the Bible? Anyone who has the Spirit of God within them. Anyone who has had dealings, personal dealings with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit resides within them and says, He is not a visitor, this is his home. He says, He's made your body his temple, He's united your heart to Christ. If the Holy Spirit dwells within you, any born again believer who's exercised faith and repentance, you should become a member of a local church. Because it says in the Bible, if we are in Christ, we have union with him. We have fellowship with him. And because we have fellowship with him, we have fellowship one with the other. Again, I, I want to say, this is simply not the same as turning up to church. Many people visit churches. Maybe the postman delivers mail here several times a week. Is he a member of your church? He's, the postman's probably here at this church more often than you. <laughs> but does that make him a member? No, it doesn't. Tradies. Maybe some work needs to be done around. Maybe tradies visit. I'm visiting. Now, here's the thing. I'm a believer... But do I have a right to tell this church what to do? Should I? I can counsel. I can maybe give some advice. I can be that wall you can bounce ideas off and say, oh, 
But whatever I say to this church, should, should that be binding? I should hope not. No. no. Just because you visit, just because you attend, doesn't mean you become a member. And you know, one of the scariest things, and I say this out of love, is that, you know, Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, he gives this warning. And, and, and the warning goes something like this. Many will say to me on that day, you're all familiar with that passage, it's, it's very sobering words. Many people will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, they use the right title. Then they say, I've done many things. And they didn't even do it in their own name. They did it in the Lord's name. He says, but I never knew you. Being somewhere for a long time, doing things doesn't necessarily mean we're believers. No, you need to have the spirit within you. You need to be born again, grafted into Christ. And if that's you, you look around, I'm sure that is many in this room, you ought to be a member of a local church. What's it, what else does it say in verse 13? It says that Jews and Greeks. It says slaves and free. If you're looking for the most divided groups in ancient history, it would have been the Jews versus the Greeks would have been the slaves and the slave owners. And one of the criticisms about membership is it's so divisive. Yeah? You've heard that? Membership that's in and out. Is that Paul's argument? He's actually arguing the opposite. He's actually saying, no, if you, if you have the spirit of God, and that's the, that's the one precondition, it doesn't matter what your ethnic background is. It doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank doesn't matter whether you have a job or you're unemployed. Whether you're smart or not smart. If you have the spirit of God, you belong. So membership is actually unifying. It's not divisive. It only divides between those with the spirit and those without the spirit. And if you don't like that type of division, we're not really treasuring what God has done for us. Because there is that division and it's real. Another criticism of membership is that is this just an American thing? I mean, oh gosh. Americans. <laughs> Baptist Americans. Well, I'm not American. I'm a Baptist, but as I've already mentioned, I'm from the Philippines. I spent most of my time here in Australia. But I also spent some time in the UK. And when I was studying overseas for several years, and when I was there, I was a member of a local church that wasn't, that was Baptist, then I was a member of another church that was Presbyterian. So it's not just Baptist, it's not just American, it's, it's actually broader than that. Let me tell you a little bit about my church in Stanmore. We have about 
fluctuates between 25 and 30 different nationalities. Pretty colourful church. I'll give you some examples of recent additions to our formal church membership. A Chinese student who was a member of an underground church in China, here in Australia, studying. The church in China says, you now need to be a member of the local church where you're at. So she joined our church membership. A young family from South Africa. Likewise, they were a member of another church there. And they said, we can't care for you in the same way that we could care for you when you were with us. So we want you, for your spiritual benefit, to be a member of a church where you are now based. Young couple from Colombia. They were keen to be a member of our church because they said, we want to be committed to this work. We love the people here. We want to be held accountable to one another. That's three different continents, three different settings. None of them American. <laughs> so our membership's healthy and good. <laughs> Jews and Greeks, you can also take Americans. In summary, anyone who is born again, the Spirit of God dwells within them and committed to the local work of the church. That's got to be really important. You don't want to join a soccer team if you want to play netball. You've got to be committed to the activities and the purpose of what you want to be a member of. It's, this isn't, it's not rocket science. So if you're a believer and committed to the work of the church here, you ought to be a member. That's a formal member. Thirdly, third question. What if I don't feel like it? What if I don't feel like being a member? I mean, I'm so different. This seems foreign. And actually, when I look around here, there aren't people my age, my lifestyle, my interests. I like coming, but I don't feel like I belong sometimes. Let's read verses 14 to 16 of the passage. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, oh, I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, would that make it any less a part of the body? And if the ear should say, oh, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, would that make it any less part of the body? <clears throat> Friends, God is saving eyes, ears, hands and feet. Just as he determined. Notice this in, in verse 19 or verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. God's placed you here. You may not feel like you can relate to people. You may feel like people should be more like you. But the reality is, a church is not about you or it's not about me. It's not about our preferences. God has placed us exactly where he wants us to be 
that we might play our part in the local body. I don't know if it happens in the Central Coast, but it certainly happens in Sydney, where we are, where there are many churches. There are many churches that would, I think, shock Jesus today. They would shock Jesus. They were shocked by religious people in his day. I'm sure he's shocked by some of the things that happen today. So there are churches where we are which say, um, everyone's welcome, but you are especially welcome if you're in student ministry. Or if you're 18 to 35, wear skinny jeans and like certain music and drink coffee and craft beer. They never put it that crassly. They never put it that crassly. But one of the things I'm encouraged by here is it's, it's different. And what I mean by that is there are people from different nationalities, different ages, I'm sure different interests, different backgrounds, but you're all united by the same love for Christ and for his church. There's no sign out there that says... If you don't like this, that don't come here. No, churches should be diverse. It's not all about us. In God's wisdom, there is great beauty in diversity. It's actually his way of sanctifying us, making us more like himself. So if you feel a little bit different, that's all right. If you love Christ, if you love his word, if you love others... Scriptures tell us love conquers all and it conquers those issues. Let's move then to the fourth question. Why is formal church membership important? In our church, on, the, on my left, your right, there's a big banner. And one of the banners, it says, Matthew 28, the last few verses, many of you will be familiar, the Great Commission. That's one of the reasons why church membership is important because what's Jesus say in the Great Commission? He says, go into all the world and make converts. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say make converts. It says make disciples of all nations. And to make disciples, you actually have to focus your energy and time on certain people. Um, once a month we do outreach in Newtown. If you know anything about Newtown, it's a very colourful place. (laughs) Any of you going to help us out reach Newtown? I'll pay for your ticket to come down and help us. (laughs) No, because that's our responsibility. And if we make disciples in Newtown, and presumably they live around us, if they move up to Wyoming, I'll say, he's a great church to be a member of up there. There are brothers and sisters up there who will disciple you there. But no, if we're serious about discipleship, who do you disciple? Who disciples you? That's all relevant because it is the members of your local church. Here's here's another reason why church membership, formal church membership is important. Because if you flick through your Bible, there's a whole set of commands that... Sometimes people call them the one another commands. You're talking, you know what I'm familiar with? The one another. Love one another. Bear with one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Lots of one another commands. 
Who is that one another in the church in Corinth? Who is it? Is it the church in Ephesus? Well, I suppose if they meet someone in Ephesus, it could be them. But primarily, it's about the church in Corinth. And when Paul writes out to those in Rome, it's those in Rome that have to love one another. It's all well and good to say, I love my brother over there because he's so far away he hasn't sinned against me. (laughs) But it's actually meaningful in the local context when we accidentally, inadvertently, sometimes maliciously hurt one another. The one another's relate to those you do life with. And it's the people in this room, the people who are watching on live stream, those part of this church. You know, pastorally, as a gospel minister, I have lists. I have lots of lists. And one of the lists I have is my members list and those who are regular. And I actually have to say, uh, the difference is the regulars are those who've been coming for a few months and they're thinking about membership, but they're still not members. And sometimes those people say, hey, I want to spend more time with you. I don't know why they want to spend more time with me, but anyway, that's another thing. As pastorally, I have to prioritise my time, those who are members and those who aren't. If the only thing that's stopping them is because they're not committed, because there's a whole list of people that say, I want to support you, I I want to pray for you, I want to be a member to submit to you. And so when they call me and I get multiple calls, who do you think I'm going to prioritise? Who should I prioritise? And if that's hard to understand, again, you've got limited resources, you've got limited time. Which kids are you taking to sport? The neighbour's kids or your kids? The members of your family. And it's not that you don't offer them a lift, but you have the responsibility to those who are members of your family. That's, it's basic. We especially, another reason why formal church membership is important, drawing lines, is because in verse 26, it tells us something important. Let's read this together. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. If someone serves me tea and coffee out there and it's especially hot and or you know the urn's really hot and I accidentally touch it, what's my body do? Flinches, it moves away. What's your body do? Nothing. Why? Because it's not your body. But my body automatically tries to minister care and love to the one part that's been hurt. And it sounds like a silly example. But let me give you a real life example. We have someone in our church who is wheelchair bound, has motor neurone disease. We love this brother. He has no immediate family. Where his body? When his health deteriorates, because that's what motor neurone disease does, how many of you here are going to help? You might pray for him. You might care for him in, 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 a, in a distance. But do you have a responsibility for him? You don't. 
Because he's not your member. He's our member. And so we have to care for him. We have to love him. And if we don't, we're guilty before God because that'd be like me holding that cup and the rest of the... You know, when I touch that hot cup, it's not just the closest part. The whole body moves. And that's the picture we have in the Bible. Your hand doesn't move because it's not your body. That's, it's the same with other churches. We can have a concern, a general concern and love, and we ought to have a general love for other churches. But I can't fix your problems and you can't fix our problems. And that's how God's designed churches. Church membership defines who is responsible for you and who you are responsible for. Who will care for you? Who will you care for? That's true pastorally and it's also true of all members. And like I say, my body can't do things to other bodies without its permission. We all, we all understand that, right? And so that's why you need formality. You just can't say to someone who's been visiting for a little while, hey, now you're a member of the church. They actually have to want to be part of the church. You've got to have that conversation. You have to understand what the terms of that are for that to occur. It's not a complex conversation, but you still have to have the conversation. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says this. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household... He's denied the faith. Worse than an unbeliever. We need to make sure we know who's part of our household. 1 Timothy 5.8 I'm going to end now with two contrasting pictures for us. We've looked at what's church membership, who should become a member, what if I don't feel like it, why is it important? Most people get the idea of membership. I don't think anyone here would, would question the reality of it. But some might struggle with the idea of formality, signing up for something. I suspect Coasties, is what you guys, how you refer to yourself, Coasties like things casual. Does commitment and formality seem like a straitjacket, stuffy, constraining? Because, oh, I like membership, but I just don't like the formality of it. And I mentioned it earlier. Is that how you feel about your marriage or marriage in general? Stuffy, rigid, constraining. I wish I had more freedom, a bit more casual. We know what the Bible says about that, don't we? The most important relationships we have are binding, they're formal, they're full of commitments. Anything less is unworthy of our God. It's not in my notes, but it just came to mind. The world doesn't want commitment, the world doesn't want that rigidity, so they come up with their own constructs, don't they? And in the area of marriage, we know how that's played out. 
So why would you want that in your church? Why would we want second best? If you expect binding commitments in marriage, and interestingly, when it talks about people joining the church in in Acts, it uses the same language as a man and woman joining together. I'm not saying you have to be part of the same church forever, but there is a soberness and a seriousness of joining together because marriage is a covenant commitment. And so it is with members in a church. De facto casual relationships, it seems smart, it seems wise, but we all know how it plays out. Let me ask you this. How long, if if you have a casual view of membership, if you have a casual view, how long does someone have to come to this church to become a member? Two weeks? Are they a member then? Four weeks? Two months? Would they become a member after two months? Are they a member? I don't know what the membership requirements are here. We want to be welcoming and inclusive. So, yeah, maybe after two months. What if 100 people come for two months? Are they all then members, those 100 people? What if they don't believe the same things you do? 100 people come through the door. You want to be welcoming and inclusive, right? They've been coming for two months. But they want to worship another God. And they say, we're members. You've, you've called us members, right? We want to use this building to worship another God. What can you do? Friends, you guard who comes into your home. I can check all your pockets. You all have keys. You all have PIN accounts on your... You guard those things because they're important, they're precious. And you ought to guard who comes into this church. Yes, be welcoming, but who is a member? You, you better understand what they believe and that you're all on the same page. So in our church, we have a membership class. Just three weeks, we say, what is it to be a member? What do we believe as a church? What, what's required of you? What's required of us? It's very basic. It's a conversation. Do you want to be a member of the church? And, you know, I say, look, we're a pretty crazy church, so if you don't want to be a member of our church, which is perfectly understandable, you are a prophet or a son of a prophet, um, if you can't be a member of our church but you are born again and love the Lord, can I encourage you, here's half a dozen other churches you can be a member of. I'm not going to be upset by that. If you can't be a member here, join another local church where you can be a member because that's the biblical call. But if you're in, be all in. And, and that story of 100 people coming to a church, that, that, that ain't make-believe. That happens. It happens. So you better have a clear understanding who's part of the membership, what you believe, and why you do what you do. So that's, that's a bad example. Let me just now end with a positive example. My understanding is the Mariners is the local club. 
we go for sky blue, but we're coming right down the bottom of the table right now. You guys, 18 points. Clear of Brisbane Raw. Rubbish team that they are. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth or Queensland. <laughs> Tell me, how did the Mariners get to where they are, the top of the table in this season? Did, did someone say, oh, let's go to the local park and kick the ball around? No. Maybe they did on their spare time. There's nothing casual about success in any organisation. The Mariners actually need structure. They need to commit to a training program. They've got a formal team. They've actually got a roster. And believe it or not, they've signed contracts to say they will do what they need to do to win at what they are called together to do. And I know it sounds rigid. I know it sounds formal. But that is the same with church. You see, casual commitment to the Great Commission doesn't get it going. Tell me, what about the crowds that support them each week? The wear, the, what are their colours? Blue and gold? Blue and yellow? And the hair with the scarf, the yellow, in the bleachers, in the stands. Are they part of the team? They might feel like they're part of the team. They might use the language that they're part of the team. But they don't train, they don't sweat, they just cheer when they're winning and boo when they're losing. And unfortunately, sometimes that's the attitude with church. Some come, some go. Things are going well at church, they praise the church. And when things are going bad, they just boo the church. But they're not part of the team. Friends, I'm not quite sure where you're at with where you're going as a church, but you need to have a common understanding, set of core beliefs that you can all sign up for, that Jesus is the only way of salvation, that he does pay for our sins, that we're to love one another, care for one another in this church, that you're committed to mission, you're committed to reaching the lost. These are basic statements. And you'd have to, really, if we're not being politically correct, you really have to question if someone cannot sign up to and agree to basic tenets of the Christian faith. If you're not prepared to sign up for whatever membership, you're not part of the team. And what we are is simply just like the crowd of Blue Tongue. I think that's what they use. Is that Blue Tongue Stadium? They changed the name? Um, But you know what the crowd does? And it's a really interesting thing about psyche. When the team is winning, what do you say? We're winning. We're winning. That's my team. It's like you scored the goal, top corner. We're winning. What happens when the team is losing? What language do we use? They're losing. They're losing. Remember, you never turned up for training. You never sweated. You never got up early. But somehow, when you're sitting in the stand, you feel like that you're part of the team, but you're not part of the team. When the Mariners win this season, dare I say it, and they hold up the trophy, 
You've sat there all season. Do you get to hold up the trophy? No. No. Because you're not part of the team. Tell you what, there's no fitness levels for joining a local church membership. You just need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) And Christ has promised to all of us that we will all wear a crown better than any trophy. And the temporal that is in this time and space, how that works out is being part of a local church. Whether it's in Stanmore or Wyoming or anywhere else in the world. Christ wants to give you that crown. And if you're playing on the team, not just sitting in the crowds, you want to be part of the team. You need to agree to what you're doing as a church, what you're committed to. Friends, in the end, you know, the gospel isn't casual. It's a binding relationship. Christ laid down his life for sinners like you and me. And when that eternal transaction happened in this time and space... He knit us to his body. He says, you're part of me and I'm part of you. And he says, I want you to be not just committed to me, but committed to each other. That you might proclaim who I am to your area. And so may the Lord help us be committed to our Lord and Saviour, to his mission, to one another. That many may come to a saving and joyful experience of salvation let's pray our father and our god we are thankful that you would be pleased to to save people like us lord we're ashamed to share our sins with one another but you know our deepest and darkest sins you've chosen to forgive us in christ lord we love you we want to honor you we want to live in a way that pleases you